Welcome to the Kentuckian, folks. Glad to have you with us. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to the Kentuckian. Today, we're going to talk about the death of American exceptionalism. Now, this title is purposely vague. Has American exceptionalism already died? Is it dying? Is it at risk of dying if action is not taken? Well, that's the part, that's a large part of what we're going to discuss today. This will actually be a simple, perhaps even shorter than normal episode. As with virtually all of the topics that we discuss on the Kentuckian, there is much room to expand and to cover more and to go into more detail with this topic. You could spend hours and hours and hours, but I'd rather not make a three-hour episode all at one time on this topic. I don't want to get so bogged down in details, and I think sometimes if I'm not careful, I do this. I try and be careful. I don't want to get so bogged down in the details and, and get into the mud, go down, chase the, the rabbits down the rabbit holes, that kind of thing, um, that I miss the actual essence and the main point of what I'm trying to emphasize with the episodes of the Kentucky. And the reason, one of the reasons that they are not very long episodes in most cases, there are some exceptions to that, of course. But one of the reason I, one of the main reasons I try to keep them shorter is because I don't want to get bogged down. I want to try and hit main points, kind of some core ideas that you can take away from the episode. And while there's certainly times for more detail, even as as with some of the exceptions, some of the guest episodes that we've had, and so on, at the same time. Uh, for the the mainline episodes, that's generally what I avoid. I don't want it. I don't want anybody to be overwhelmed. And hopefully, as we expand content, the content that the Kentuckian produces, uh, we'll be able to go into more detail in in longer episodes um, that aren't necessarily the weekly mainline podcast episode. But that is a story for another time, um, a, a closer time than you might realize. So the first question that we should ask as we consider this topic, the death of American exceptionalism, is just what is American exceptionalism? I'd say, especially if my listeners are in the U.S., you've heard that term. Even those of my listeners that are in other countries may have heard it. There's a certain amount of ambiguity around the definition of American exceptionalism, as with almost everything of any import today. Since, you know, we can't seem to have anything definite because we've totally lost our minds in this country. We have to make everything ambiguous and everything subjective and make every argument by definition we can without ever recognizing it as an argument by definition, which if you don't understand what I'm referencing there, that's a logical fallacy um, that you can check out in the logical fallacies series that we did on the Kentuckian. Several, uh, this was all back in the first season, I believe, um, but there were, I think, seven episodes um, going through logical fallacies. I think that would be a great uh, series for you to check out if you'd like. Um, so now that I'm done self-promoting, <laughs> let's go back to the topic. There is a certain amount of ambiguity in the definition of American exceptionalism, and I believe part of that is natural. Part of it is a result of our culture and the ambiguous, indefinite, listless nature of American culture or what's left of it today. American exceptionalism, though, is basically what it sounds like. It's the recognition of the fact that America, at one time at least, is exceptional from its founding to the nature of the people of America themselves. And this exceptionalism permeates this country and the actions of its people. And that's where there is a certain amount of ambiguity in the definition because it is a, a general concept, so I don't want to be too harsh. 
but that's that's basically what it is in a, in a general sense. There are some on and on point and some off point sides of this concept of American exceptionalism. Let's start with the points that uh, with the parts that are off point that are a little little problematic, and then we'll get to the the good stuff, if you will. There have certainly been problems with this country, even from early on, and we need to be frank about that. We need to realize that American exceptionalism is not American perfectionism, that America is perfect in every way and it's never had any problems. America has had problems and, and has many problems today, as that's no secret. Now, to be fair, to be clear, these are rarely, these problems are rarely, if ever, the quote-unquote problems that mainstream folks talk about, media, education, and so on. But still, there have been problems. So again, it's not American perfection. America's perfect, but America's exceptional. American exceptionalism is also taken in, that, that concept is also included with the whole, what you might call 80s or 90s mainstream view of America as well, the sort of action movie, you know, Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, action movie, stereotypical, this is America, uh, explosions and, and American flags and, and guns firing and stuff. Um, this sort of, this sort of overproduced, um, propagandized view of America that, that sort of, uh, does permeate the idea of American exceptionalism, at least in the eyes of many. And this idea, this, this, uh, old guard mainstream view of America that's been common in the last several decades. I, I would say that it is patriotism, uh, I think, but it's a love of America in a concept or a concept of a love of America that isn't really accurate or even good. So, so it, it's this is loving America, but then your definition of America is not really correct. That's what I'm trying to get at. In some ways, it's closer to nationalism than patriotism. Of course, we've talked about the difference between nationalism and patriotism today, or in on the Kentucky, not today, and we're talking about it now. <laughs> but uh, we have talked about that in other episodes. Nationalism is is basically a love of country, um, despite any, uh, in spite of any evil that it does. And patriotism is loving your country and expecting it to do better, not ignoring uh, the problems that your country has or the evil that it does. Um, and we go into more detail on other times, but while nationalism is generally a little problematic, it's much more unstable, much less founded than patriotism is, and much more capable or open to corruption. I would not go so far as to consider this, this sort of stereotypical idea of America among people that would consider themselves patriotic by all means. Um, I would not consider it nationalism, but it definitely leans towards this national nationalist idea of America. It's based off, and part of the reason for that, it's based off of misunderstandings of our founding, of the governmental structure that the federal government or the state governments are supposed to have, a misunderstanding of American history. And it often includes, I've observed, an undeserved trust and deference of the government, including the military um, in general. And that extends to specific agencies of the federal government, despite the asinine actions that they have been documented to have conducted or taken part in. This sort of, and this is most apparent with the military. Um, this sort of, not, not that you support the military at all, but a blind support of the military. And the this attitude has been somewhat deconstructed among even among patriots, but it is still very much around. 
it it was just it's very common with with a lot of uh, recent generations of Americans, and it is problematic, and that sort of undergirds the idea of American exceptionalism. But if you undergird a true idea, uh, your understanding of a true idea with with falsehood, with things that aren't true, it's not a really good way to have an accurate picture of that larger concept. I think you all can understand that, um, and and so that is something that is problematic. That's one of the off points, quote-unquote, one of the problems with the modern understanding of American exceptionalism. Now, and that sort of leads into the, the good part, and the good part is that American exceptionalism is real. American exceptionalism is not a myth. You will have people that will try and say that it's a myth. American exceptionalism is true. America is exceptional, and it has been since its founding and even before the founding of the United States, or well, America as, a, as more of an independent country. America is in so many ways exceptional. And you could spend multiple episodes talking about that, and we sometimes bring specific examples up. But one of the key ways, one of the key ways that America has been exceptional is in the quality and the character of its people. Now, <laughs> If you've listened to the Kentuckian for a little bit, you might be like, man, here he's bringing up the individual. He's bringing up morals and strength of character again and, and roll your eyes like, well, he's starting to beat that dead horse again. <laughs> I do bring it up relatively frequently. Uh, but the reason that I am I'm bringing it up, the reason that I do bring it up so often is because the individual character, the strength of character, the morals of individual people is the key to everything. Everything that's been special about America in history, and there's a lot, everything that really matters, not just for our country, but in general, in life, in everyday life that everyone across the world deals with, everything that really matters at its core comes down to the character of the average person, geopolitics, the economy, all of it. Everything can be related back to the character of the average person. And we could spend many episodes getting into the specifics of American exceptionalism. As I mentioned, we could spend many episodes getting into the details of the character of people, why it's important, the kind of character that people need to have and work towards, and understanding the, the difficulties of having a good character, but realizing that no one expects, or I hope no one expects you to have it perfect all at once. That's not how people develop, right? We take time to grow and develop and become stronger or weaker, as the case may be. But we're going to save those specifics for later. Again, we could spend episodes and episodes, hours talking about these sorts of things. But that isn't the focus of this episode. We're talking, we want to we step back and examine American exceptionalism as a concept and how it's doing as a concept. Yes, there are some problems with the modern conception of it, but it does exist. America is exceptional, and American exceptionalism is something that is not untrue and that actually has had a large effect on our ability as Americans to be exceptional. The belief that we can be exceptional and that our history is exceptional, motivates us to be exceptional. I mean, think about it, and, and I've made this sort of point before, but if you don't believe you can be exceptional, you're never going to be exceptional. You're never going to do more than you think you can if you've already made up your mind you can't. So our general, very general description and definition of American exceptionalism and going into a little bit of nuance, that is going to suffice us for today for this episode. So what is the state of American exceptionalism today, if you can't already guess, and you might have some of your own ideas on it? 
Well, I would not say that American exceptionalism is already dead, but friends, it's barely hanging on. It is no longer the, – the concept, the belief in American exceptionalism, America being exceptional is no longer nearly as universal as it once was. Remember, one of the keys to that is people, is the individual character, the individual belief, the individual accomplishment and attitude of Americans, of individual, everyday, average Americans. Today, there are so many weak, petty selfish, small-minded people out there. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Just the way people interact with one another, the, the moral cowardice that is so common, the pettiness about, well, anything and everything. People lose their tempers. They do stupid stuff. They get in fights. They have arguments. They cut people down. They break the law. They do all sorts of different things over the dumbest stuff. Someone didn't get them their fast food quick enough, so they're going to whine and complain and make a fuss about it. And you can probably think of a million other examples in your own life where people just are petty and small-minded about things. And if you don't believe me, work in a customer service job for about a week and you'll see it. It may only take a day or two because it's very common. And and just the way people look at the world around them and the the, the everyday things they partake in. Selfishness and I mentioned that a moment ago, selfishness undergirds all of these problems. We need to understand that, and, and especially as it relates to religion and politics. The, the, the actions that you take, the decisions you make, the values that you have are not about truth, are not about helping your fellow man or pursuing righteousness. The attitude today among far too many is as long as I'm okay or I'm served or I'm taken care of or I have pleasure, I don't care. I don't care what happens as long as I'm taking care of number one. And so evil flourishes. And, and I want to take, I want to also elaborate a little bit when I mentioned small-minded. Small-mindedness, it's, it's a way to describe all the, the problems and vices that I mentioned bound up in someone's character. Instead of listing out every little thing, it really gets to them as a whole. They're small or small-minded people, right? You think about need to be the bigger man, be the bigger person. Well, that implies that there may be a smaller person. <laughs> and that's sort of what we're talking about. The, 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 the small-minded person lacks vision. They can't think or refuse to think of anything greater than themselves in their own pathetic little world, despite being some of the most pampered, comfortable people in world history living in luxury not even dreamed of by kings in times past. And yet they can't look forward to anything of real importance in life. Just the next endorphin high from food or sex or entertainment or whatever the case might be. And that's all that matters to them. And anyone that gets in the way of that is basically an enemy. It is very, very sad to see people in that state. It is pathetic, and I mean that in this case, in the more pitiable sense, right? Oh, that's that's pathetic, and not meaning it a, a bit harsher. And uh, remember that words have different meanings. That I, I've mentioned this from time to time. Uh, words we've been trained to have certain impressions of words, even though they can be used in a lot of different ways. And so there, I use pathetic as as they need empathy. That it is sad, but it's also pathetic in kind of a, a pretty bad way too. <laughs> Let's be frank. And that's by no means, uh, that's by no means, I'll just be clear here saying that not every that everyone doesn't have issues they deal with. I'm just going to 
cut that off at the pass. I'm not saying that. That is not what I'm implying. But it is it is pathetic in in basically both senses or, or two major senses of the word. It is sad, but it's also pretty sad that someone would stoop to that 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 position. That's the consequences of sin. We all deal with sin. We are all affected by sin. We are all spiritually murdered by sin, if you want to use that terminology. Um, but of course, the power of sin is immense, and it drags some people much farther down than others. And uh, the effects are are pitiable. They are they are pitiable, and uh, and we should recognize that and recognize that in a culture such of such as ours, in which evil flourishes, that kind of attitude is is encouraged. That's what most people. Or a lot of people do because that's that's what they think they should. All they can see is themselves, and they are in the darkness, even though the grace of God is right there to pull them back out. Got a little bit off in the weeds there. Um, got a little off track. But let's bring it back to American exceptionalism. So this this idea of the the nature of people themselves is one of the things that has shown us that American exceptionalism is seemingly on its last legs or in very bad shape. But also think about how American exceptionalism, the concept, the idea, the fact, is attacked directly in education and pop culture. Everything, any opportunity is used to try and cut America down. And I'm not talking about legitimate criticisms of things that might have been overlooked in history or, or that sort of thing. I'm talking about just cutting America down to cut America down. That America not only is not any better or any different from any other country in the world, it's actually worse. In fact, not only they don't even usually bring up real problems in American history or in America. It's almost always a manipulated a problem that is manipulated to generate a false impression or is a downright lie, an outright lie, I guess would be the better better phrase there. And despite using what is most often either completely untrue or untrue in the way that it's been portrayed, they have made good progress in cutting America down in people's minds, in people's estimation, in trying to undermine the idea that America is even an okay country. They try and push the idea that America is an outright evil country, and especially they hate the idea of American exceptionalism. Much, Far too much I lie. It's been very effective in at least planting seeds of doubt about America being even a little great. And that feeds into the small-minded people that we mentioned earlier. It encourages selfishness and that kind of attitude of, of small-minded people. There's nothing better in this world than yourself. And that's sort of what's encouraged specifically um, by this cutting down of America. And again, I want to make something clear when I say America, I'm not necessarily talking about the federal government. In fact, I'm talking about – I'm specifically not talking about the federal government. Um, America as a concept, as an ideal, um, the things that America is supposed to stand for, the, the principles, the ideals are what are the key to American exceptionalism, not the government. In fact, the government's done everything it can to cut down American exceptionalism. But see, that's where, when I mentioned earlier, the sort of misunderstanding of America and American exceptionalism, and they kind of they're connected very closely. And you have to work on that perception. But as we continue on, 
making that point there and sort of reemphasizing our our needing to to examine our own perception of America as we think about American exceptionalism. We we need to realize that in the minds of many and maybe even most people, most Americans, American exceptionalism is dead. But not everyone, and that's the key. That brings us to the final point of this episode. American exceptionalism exists. There are there are there are things that we don't understand as we should. There there are good parts about American exceptionalism. It is on its last legs. It has suffered much for many reasons. The character of people individually is so weak today. It's directly attacked by most mainstream sources today. But not everyone has bought into it. And that leads into how we preserve American exceptionalism and repair the damage that's been done, at least as well as we can. Things do change over time. People's perceptions change. But that's the question. What do we do about all this, right? We can we can bemoan the problems of our culture. That's all well and good. We can we can talk about how bad things are, and, and we should. We should understand the seriousness of the situations that we find ourselves in as Americans, as humans, as people. But what can we do about it? What's the solution? That's something that is often left left um, unanswered far too often. And that's what I intend to answer. Now, of course, again, this is one of those things you could go into episodes and episodes and hours just answering this question, giving specifics, giving examples. Um, but we want to discuss it for a few moments here in this specific episode. And the short answer is that you need to be exceptional. Remember, American exceptionalism, one of the key elements of America being exceptional is its people. Therefore, if you're an American, be exceptional. But seriously, you need to understand American exceptionalism, the concepts of America itself, and promote American exceptionalism by believing in it and supporting it. America is at its core an ideal, principles, not connected to specifically to a, a specific piece of land or a specific historical regime or kingdom or anything like that. There are connections for sure, but the core of America is not something that is held by any specific ethnicity or any specific uh, group of people. It's an ideal. It's a it's it's a set of principles that is much larger than any one group. It's something that anyone can buy into. Anyone, based off their actions, not where they come from, not what they look like, based off their actions, can buy into that ideal of America. And because it's more than just a, a, a physical group of people or a physical piece of land. That ideal endures in the hearts of men. To repair what's broken, as we understand and embody American exceptionalism as the first step, we also push that to others. It is a culture war out there. I think all of us probably recognize that to one degree or another. But if we're going to win a culture war, we ought to start fighting in it. <laughs> Far too often, we just sit back and hope that the, the, the chips fall in our favor. But if we're going to win a culture war, we got to put in the work. We've got to fight. And that's, I mean, that that's, honestly, if you really want to break it down really, really generally, that's the key. 
American exceptionalism is dying because they are winning the culture war. We have to win or fight in that culture war. Pick up your sword, your figurative sword, and fight in that culture war. You have, we have to win the hearts of men. That is how we win. Not by winning elections. Not by changing policies. At the core of victory for Americans, at the core of victory for any people that desire to be free, at the core of victory for righteousness, for truth, is changing, winning the hearts of men. That's what we need to take away from this. If there's anything you take away from this episode, take away that. Where we win is not in the political realm, it's not in the social realm. It's not getting our policies enacted. It's not getting the businesses supporting our ideology. Where we win, at, our, at its core, where victory comes is from winning the hearts of men. I hope you take that away from this episode, if that's the only thing. And there's so many ways to do all of this, to, to fight back, support businesses and people speaking out for what needs to be said. Maybe like the Kentuckian. I mean, that is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> a little a little self-promotion there. Talk to other folks. Talk to your friends and family. For those with kids, perhaps looking at their education and whether they need to be at the school that they're at. Watching what you intake when it comes to entertainment and, and those sorts of things and being more conscious of what you what you bring into your heart. Make sure that you take the time to seek out the truth and to spread it to others. And most importantly, and I do mention this from time to time, it cannot be underemphasized. Most importantly, get your heart right with God. As I mentioned, the quality of the character of Americans is the most important part of this discussion. And where does character come from? Where does good character come from? It comes from God. If we don't have a proper moral foundation and a real purpose beyond this life, as much as we're talking about this life, it all leads back to something greater, having a reason to live, not just to live, but having a reason to live. All of this, if we don't have that purpose beyond this life, greater than ourselves, all that we've talked about, all that we care about in this life, our hopes, our dreams, our desire to provide a better world for our children, it is all pointless and destined to fail without the proper purpose. That's one other thing to take away from this episode that I hope that you do. If you don't have truth and purpose, we will not do what needs to be done. And why would we? We have no motivation to what think about today. What is your why? What is your motivation for living your life? What is the reason you are here on this earth? You have to answer that question yourself. I'll help as much as I can. I'll help point you in the right direction where I can. I hope that the Kentuckian maybe does that for you. But you need to ask yourself why. Why are you here on this earth? Why are you living? Why are you making the decisions that you are making? Think about what's really important in life. If we don't have that proper motivation, it doesn't matter if we're right. 
If we don't think we can win, if we don't have a reason to win, we won't win. I hope you take that to heart. And I hope that you're able to find the right answer to that question. There is a clear path to victory if we are willing to take it. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you today. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Kentuckian. Please share this episode and follow The Kentuckian if you haven't already. Of course, you can follow on many cases on the platform that you listen on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or so on. We've got several other ways to connect as well. We have Gab, Facebook, YouTube, and so on. Uh, all, those, all those options are linked in the description of this episode. We have some exciting stuff coming down the pike for The Kentuckian. Uh, so um, it, it is coming in some ways much more rapidly than maybe even I'm ready for. But staying connected is a great way to keep up with that and to see when those things arrive. Please share the Kentuckian, too. Also, if you would, take just a moment, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to the Kentuckian, and rate or review it for me. It'll probably be if you select the main page or go scroll to the top of the list of episodes, there will likely be somewhere where you can rate the Kentuckian, maybe give it a review. If you could take a second to do that, I would really appreciate it. It makes a massive difference for the Kentuckian. Y'all's support really does make a huge difference, and I, I do want to say I appreciate it. I want to give a special thank you to my patrons as well, and if you're willing, being a patron makes an even bigger difference for the Kentuckian. It is such a massive help, and I have some exclusive bonuses for my patrons as well. Stay strong, friends, and remember, as long as you and I are doing what's right, we make a real difference in this old world. This has been Ryan Dalton of the Kentuckian, signing off. The Kentuckian, trying to make a difference one person at a time.